stories behind stories Izindaba ezingezindaba Stories after stories Jiriseri kwenyaya Amabali angamabali Stories about journalism Audio storytelling and podcasting Brought to you by how to pitch a podcast in a pandemic Hello and welcome to the third episode of How to Pitch a Podcast in a Pandemic. I'm your host Garfield Kanyile and today I'm not on my own. I'm with my co-host Zisanda Solwandle. Hi Zisanda, how are you? Hi Garfield, I am fine. How are you? I'm doing quite well myself. Thank you very much. Um, Zisanda, we, we are still in the process of pitching a podcast to the Rose Journalism Review. And this is all because our school produced a really great magazine called The Rose Journalism Review. We just call it RJR for short. And it is aimed at journalists, journalism educators, and it is full of all kinds of amazing features covering important debates about journalism in Africa. Oh yes, Garfield. And as the senior audio class, we think that RJR should expand its identity to include a podcast. So this is what How to Pitch a Podcast in a Pandemic is all about. How to Pitch a Podcast in a Pandemic Capturing Stories Behind Roads Journalism Review In this week's episode, we have adopted the theme of looking back while looking forward, meaning that we'll be looking into the past of RJR and its rich legacy. While at the same time, we'll look at how the rebirth of RJR could possibly sound like. Um, since we will be focusing on the RJR or Road Journalism Review so much, to help us know more about what the Road Journalism Review is about, we tasked our class to go and look at the RJR and report back on what they found interesting. It did not end there, as our class also conducted interviews with Anthea Garman, the editor of Road Journalism Review, Brian Garman, one of the designers, and Stephen Lang, a journalist, radio expert, and consumer of the Rose Journalism Review. How to feature podcasts in the pandemic. Capturing stories behind Rhodes Journalism Review. On Monday morning, the 13th of September, our class met and had the privilege of having a Zoom meeting with the editor of RJR. Professor Anthea Gamin, to ask her about her experience of working as the editor of RGR from the year 1997 to 2015. And this is what she said. I arrived just before that one on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. So I suppose, actually, gee, it's so interesting to do this, you know. So I arrived at that moment just when very big transition was happening in South Africa. And then the first edition I actually did was the Truth and Reconciliation edition of 1997. So I suppose what was happening, if you think about a shift from that early beginning, is that we really went from what was the hangover from apartheid into a brand new, a brand new country. And we really had to take on multiracialism, as it was called in those days, you know, all those changing environments in which 
white and black people were no longer working in segregation from each other. We were taking on, you know, the horrors of the past, like the like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And then you'll see two editions later, we were dealing with transformation. And then we were dealing with Africa. And then we were dealing with racism and so on. So I suppose that it's it shifted from its early close focus on just journalism to a much larger focus on the society we were living in and its transitions and changes and what journalists needed to do in order to think differently. That would have been what was going on when I arrived. And then I think for many years, we held on to that. And it did try to do something different from, say, for instance, the media online, which tries to sort of chart the industry and profession of journalism. We never tried to do that. But I think what we did try to do was we tried to tell stories about journalism. You know, like in those racism issues, I couldn't really find journalists who were knowledgeable about race. So what I did was I went and found philosophers and psychologists and other people to write. How to feature podcasts in a pandemic. Capturing stories behind roads, journalism, news. So, Kafult, we have been talking about RJR, but I haven't asked you this. When did you start knowing about RJR? Ah, Zisanda, unfortunately, I won't lie. Uh, I won't lie. I only properly got to know about the Rose Journalism Review this year. That's the truth. But uh, let me flip the question and ask you, when did you first learn about it? <laughs> yes, Nam. I also started knowing about RJR this year. But thinking back, I used to see these big size magazines around the journalism department, but I never read them because the size is quite intimidating. Yo. But I did browse through them. I remember this one edition. Its cover had people holding vuvuzelas. So in my mind, I was like, World Cup, World Cup. So I definitely had to see what was inside. <laughs> well, well, look at you taking us back. And uh, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the size of the RGR. To my understanding, the RGR is so big in size because each edition had to accommodate for the many articles that were that were written to cover everything that happened in that specific year, which is also quite unique. And uh, speaking of these many articles, we asked members of our own class to go and read some of those articles from the Road Journalism Review and also express their opinions of it and also mention an article that stood out and resonated with them. This is what they had to say. Whenever I come across the RGR copies, what draws my attention are the design. You know, some of them are very, very interesting, and that becomes like my first focus before I can actually look at the title of the magazine. Also, the visuals are prominent, and I can say that the magazine did so well in achieving their aim and vision. So really, RGR is about you know, exploring and reflecting on what is happening in the South African media. So what are the critics around it could be either positive and negative, and how can we actually problem solve around that? And the article that I read and that I feel resonated with is called Shifting the Priority from Giving a Voice to Listening. So I found 
this article very interesting because it tells us, you know, as students who soon become journalists and people who are in the field as journalists, um, what we need to do in order to think differently about a much larger community and that we should do more than just providing a voice for citizens, but we need to be active and listening. I read the Road Journalism Review titled Mapping the Gap student reporting on poverty and inequality. So this publication was based on encouraging students to practice journalism instead of learning journalism. I related so much to this publication as a journalism student. I understood very well what they what they meant by practicing a journalism not for assignment but for social change. I would say um, the Road Journalism Review is a journalism magazine uh, that tackles issues around uh, journalism, like critical issues, critical topics. The magazine essentially encourages our critical thinking. At first, when I look at the magazine, I was intimidated because it's big and the quality is just great. I was intimidated. I was like, maybe I would not enjoy the magazine until I actually started reading it. And I resonated to it so much. I think that's one thing that made me enjoy it. Like, it was the content there is very relatable, especially as a growing um, media practitioner. I didn't know what to expect when it came to the Rhodes Journalism Review. After visiting their website, I was truly amazed by the various articles which were published under the Rhodes Journalism Review. Making my way through the website, I've come across various articles published by writers who are media practitioners, academics and researchers. I came across one article which caught my eye, which was written by Vanessa Malila. It was titled Being a Born Free the misunderstandings and missed opportunities facing young South Africans. This article title intrigued me because ever since I was young, I've always heard various perspectives on born freeze. So I wanted to know more on what the article had in store for us. How to feature podcasts in a pandemic. Capturing stories behind roads, journalism, and after listening to Anthea and her experience of working for the Road Journalism Review from her role as editor, as well as also listening to the class and their opinions of the Road Journalism Review, let's take a deeper look at the Road Journalism Review with an emphasis on look. So Zisanda, could you introduce who we spoke to next? We spoke to Brian Gumman. One of the people who played a fundamental role in coming up with the overall look of the Rhodes Journalism Review. He speaks about how he would go about coming up with a design for the next edition of RGR if they were to produce another edition. And this is what he had to say. I mean, the first thing I would do is look back at the last print edition that we did and just go, okay, what are, what are the, the conventions that we use that I can carry forward now, six years later? so that it's recognized as a Rhodes Journalism Review. Mm -hmm. So when people see it, they go, oh, that's the Rhodes Journalism Review. And it's not so completely different from the, the last edition we did. But also it, need, it would need to have its own kind of flavor and distinctiveness so that it isn't simply a slave to what we were doing six years ago. 
So I think the starting point I would go with is what format are we going to use? So most of the reviews that we did were those large format reviews, and they're, they're big, uh, which was a deliberate decision that we made to sort of have a, a kind of large magazine. So would I go with that format again? Would I come up with its own distinct format? You know, it was one of the defining characteristics of, of the RJR. If we could, I would go back to that format, I think, and then go, right, so this is the format. This will be the link between 2021 and 2015 and the previous reviews. I would probably use the same nameplate, so the same sort of journalism review nameplate again, so that it kind of gets recognized. And then I would start to go, you know, okay, well, now what can we do that's distinctively 2021? Look for imagery, which would be defining sort of for 2021, probably going into 22 as well. What are the things which define this era for us? What are the sort of the images that I can work with in creating a kind of um, design which would be recognized also as kind of part of uh, what we're doing? But then also, you know, you'd have to come up with something which is almost like we're back, a big splash with, with it. So some particular technique perhaps maybe a thing called a die cut or something like that, where you, you know, you cut into the magazine, you cut shapes or something like that. This, by the way, is assuming that I have unlimited <laughs> budget, you know, using special inks, you know, so maybe use a kind of a foil ink so that it's, it's, it's kind of shiny and it stands out, um, varnishes perhaps, something like that. You know, there would be those three things, I think, then that I would have to consider. That was quite an insightful interview. It's amazing how much effort is put into coming up with the design for an edition of the Rose Journalism Review. Uh, Zisanda, Brian mentioned the budget in, in the design process. How much would you give him to come up with a new design for the next edition of the Rose Journalism Review? Well, that man is a genius. You can tell that he knows his story. I mean, look at the previous editions of the Rose Journalism Review magazine. So, um, he can have the whole world if he wants. <laughs> <laughs> How to feature podcasts in a pandemic. Capturing stories behind roads, journeys, and reviews. Lastly, it wouldn't be a living up to a legacy episode if we didn't speak to someone who has witnessed the growth and also consumed the content produced by the Rose Journalism Review. The person we, we sought out and spoke to was no one other than Stephen Lang. We asked him what he would want the rebirth of the Rose Journalism Review to sound like. And this is what he said. I always felt when going through the RJR paper editions that it was kind of elitist. But I mean, not elitist in a, a critical way. I mean, elitist, I feel part of the elite. I'm reading this special publication. So the, the only way of standing out is by producing ultra high quality. The original print publication stood out because it was of that extra high quality. I remember taking kilograms and kilograms of the publication to Switzerland. Yeah. And I was only able to do that because it was very high quality. I think that we need to have a magazine that looks at the future, the content of the of the publication or of the podcast is, of course, the most important thing. And we need to look at the future. We all know that the media news organizations have undergone huge changes over the last 20 years. And we're still not sure where it's going to. 
there's still a lot of confusion about what's going to happen. Are we going to have websites? Is the future in blogging or newsletters or what is it like? So we need to, my view is examine what's coming up and need to have very thoughtful consideration about what's still going to happen. It's a very interesting concept that it should become uh, a podcast and should become an audio uh, platform instead of um, a print one. But because the print magazine was always of the highest quality, I think the same has to be for the audio, for the podcast. So talking about levels of production of the highest order, I expect it to be equivalent to the print edition, but in order to do so, it needs to be well done, well thought through. There can't be any ums or ahs in the discussion. There can't be extraneous breaths or funny clicks coming through in the production. The audio mixes need to be smooth. Crossfades need to work properly. And if they don't work properly the first five times, then you do it another five times. So it has to be, the, the bar has been set very high. Stephen makes valid points. HJR magazine is magnificent. And if we were going to propose a rebirth of it in a podcast form, we should go all out and produce content that is relevant, yet different from other podcasts, so that in the next 10 years, people can go back, listen to the podcast, and be inspired. Indeed, Zisanda. I could not agree more. Anyways, from both myself and Zisanda, that is all we have this week. Don't forget to listen and stay tuned for episode 4. Until next time. Stories behind stories. Izindaba ezinge zindaba. Stories after stories. Jiriseri kwenyaya. Amabali angamabali. Stories about journalism. Audio storytelling and podcasting. Brought to you by How to Pitch a Podcast in a Pandemic.